First thing I want to say is that uh, Kevin did not put me up to preaching on how to deal with conflict. Um, I come to you this morning as a guy who's been a pastor in the ministry for 35 years at the same church for 30 years. And um, we were talking last night about in Advent, Christ calls us to to be alert, to stand guard, to be alert until he comes again. And so and we could go, well, what does that mean? Are we supposed to be like sentries kind of looking in the sky for Jesus to come? I don't think that's what he means. I think what he means is that we're going to live our lives in such a way that he gets glory right now. We do kingdom work right now. And one of the ways very practically we do that is that we deal with conflict. Now, I don't know about your families, um, and I don't know about all the ins and outs of this church, but I do know people. And whenever you have people, you have conflict. Not to be cynical after 30-some years, Kevin, but sometimes I say, you know, sometimes I think life is all about conflict and drama. Conflict and drama. And as Christians, like, how do we live in the midst of that? Right? And we know all the things Jesus says, turn your cheek, you know, so many great things he tells us. But a lot of those we just leave in the book. And, and what I believe is, one of the ways we honor Christ till he returns is just obeying his word, especially when it comes to conflict. Um, I grew up in a family where there was uh, unbelievable conflict, night after night after night after night. And it caused great scar tissue to my twin sister and to me and to my mom, and I would say even to my father. And in the church, I've seen people just literally tear each other apart. I've seen, uh, I've seen marriages that were, you know, uh, there were affairs or there were different things going on or there was bitterness or there was disrespect. And we all sit there singing hymns, but we never jump into the fray, right? Because we're, we're nice people. Christians are nice. But the Lord actually says, I never called you to be nice. I called you to be loving. In fact, if you have a Bible or if you have a phone, in, in our church, they all use their smartphones now. But uh, whatever, whatever way you can get to the word God, Galatians 6 is awesome. Now, granted, uh, the letter to the Galatians, it's speaking to Christians, okay? So we want to be honest and say, what you're about to hear is actually written for believers. I happen to think these principles uh, can go beyond to even to to folks who are not believers, but but I don't want to give you the wrong idea. This is absolutely written to Christians. And so this is what it says, Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so this is kind of the overarching thing the Lord has called us to. And we're going to get into a specific how you do that. A lot of times in Scripture, uh, you read something and it says, do this, but you don't really know how to do it. It's not that we're bad people. We just haven't figured out how to do it. So as we go into this uh, Galatians 6, verse 1, the first word is what? Now, ladies, I just want to say, I'm no liberal, but but when I read brothers, I really think they're talking to all of us, right? Neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. I mean, they're talking to the body. So if you're a female, don't feel like you're being excluded. And And I'll risk this one before the Lord. Brothers and sisters. Okay, brothers and sisters. If anyone is any transgression, uh, transgression is a word we don't use very often, right? Anybody use that word this week? Probably not, right? 
So what word is, what does that word mean? If anyone's caught in a transgression, give me a synonym. If anyone's caught in a conflict or a, keep going, sin, any other word that you can think of? If anyone's caught in a missing the mark, right? If anybody messes up, if anybody is sinning. So brothers and sisters, if anyone's caught in a sin or transgression, then, then the Lord's getting ready to give us instruction. What are we to do? And he says, you who are spiritual. In other words, those of you who are walking in the Spirit, you're walking with the Lord. When you find a brother or sister who is um, walking away from the Lord or you know, sinning in a way that hurts himself or herself or, or hurts their family or hurts somebody else, what do we do about that? What do we do about it? You know what most American church people Nothing. Nothing. We, we think the gospel is... Be nice, do good. Be nice, do good. I have had uh, several times in 30 years, I've had parishioners that I know love me deeply. And there was a blindness, something I was doing that I honestly I couldn't see, right? Sometimes I sin and I know it and I just like it. I do it because I want to do it. But a lot of times the way Satan works, he's so crafty, is, is that you're doing something and honestly you're not aware of it. I remember... I had two Young Life leaders call me about 1993, 94. Our church was about this size. We were meeting in school. It's our fourth location. But after, after service, they said, hey, we'd like to have you come over to the house. And I'm like, that'd be awesome. I'm thinking we're going to have a great cookout. But then they quickly said, yeah, we want to talk to you about something. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. What have I done? And so I go over there, and I'm, Kevin, I'm nervous. I'm kind of trembling. And, I, and they're my friends. Um, and they're like, they got right to the point. They said, uh, we love you, but we see that you're a very angry man. Your anger's coming out. And honestly, when they said that, I was like, really? You talking to me? Like, honestly, I'm unaware of it. Unaware. But they're my friends, and I know we're not supposed to be defensive. And as a good Christian pastor, I really didn't want to appear to be defensive, even though I was. So I just listened to it. So what they were doing is exactly what Galatians said. My brothers and sisters who are godly people who are walking with the Lord, they saw something in me that was not pleasing to Christ. I believe the Holy Spirit was saying, if you love Quig in love, because you do love him, don't stand back and watch him just boil and seethe with anger that he's probably not even aware of. Bring it up. Bring it up. And so in Galatians 6 it says, If you see one who's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's exactly what my friends did. We love you so much, and we're seeing anger in you. And I'm like, well, okay, tell me where you're seeing it or how you're seeing it. And they gave me several examples. And at the end of it, I was like, you're right. It hurt. I didn't like hearing that. I didn't like that meeting. But you know what? Better, better a rebuke from a friend, right? I mean, Proverbs has a lot to say. It's so much better to have a friend who actually rebukes you in love than somebody who gives you flattering words. They love me enough to step into my life and to confront me. And it wasn't, it wasn't one of these poking in the chest things. It wasn't mean. It's not like we're holy and you're, you're a dirtbag. No, it's like we love you. We see this. And I, we want you to pray about this and maybe ask the Lord if, if that's not uh, what we're seeing is not true. And so it hurt, but the Lord did 
confirm that, yep, they're absolutely right. And so, as you guys go through your life, it's not just in this building, right? Most of the people, it's not in this building, right? The, the people you deal with at work, your neighbors, right? always love to see on YouTube or on the Internet neighbors who get, like, crossways with each other, right? Just crazy things they do to each other. Uh, or even family members. Maybe you had a Thanksgiving dinner and you had, you know, that... that uh, ultra-conservative uncle or that ultra-liberal uh, uncle, and there was, you know, somebody fighting at the Thanksgiving meal. But the point is, is if you see a brother or sister in Christ, you have to love them enough not to poke them in the chest, not to be mean, not to be judgmental, not to think you have it all straight, but love them enough to care if you see them going off track. Don't we do that for our kids? Don't we do that for our kids? I realize, man, if you're a teenager, I get it, man. A lot of times my mom would speak and be like, she thinks I just do everything wrong. But we have to love one another enough to speak the truth in love. And so that's what the call is. Now, I want you to go to Matthew 18, flip on over to the Gospels. Here um, is a great passage, and it's one of the passages that nobody seems to be paying attention to. I would say if you were to line up every church in America... This is, a lot of them will go, we believe. They just don't do it. I would say Church of the Holy Spirit, we have this reputation, you know. You go to the back of the book of Revelation, the letters to the churches, and they'll say, hey, you're doing this really well, but this I have against you. I've been asking the Lord, Lord, show me where our church, um, how do you see our church? And one of the things he recently convicted me of is that we had not been stepping in conflict we had not loved people enough we were being nice we weren't being loving we're being nice not being loving we have five families right now that are in the middle of uh, separation and divorce many of with with affairs as a pastor you know so i maybe do a little something so i feel like we were doing something but i really wouldn't step into it our body really wouldn't step into it because it's hard and it's difficult and we also know that we're sinners right Isn't that the hard part? Like, how do you correct somebody when you're painfully aware that you're a sinner? And so Satan's whispering, who are you to correct? Who are you to... But it's not about us. It's about loving our our brother or sister. And so in Matthew 18, if you can find that, this is the passage the Lord gave us. Um, In a lot of Bibles, this is in red letters. Personally, I I think all scriptures God breathed. I think some scriptures are more interesting than others. I think some scriptures are a lot easier to, to apply in your life. I mean, you'll admit there are parts of the Old Testament where they talk about the silver ladles and the silver bowls and the numbering of the tribes and their, their names of people you can't pronounce. It's God-breathed. It's scripture. And we read it in our church, but it's, it, it's tough. But, but the red letter, folks, I'll just say for today, let's go to the red letters. What did Jesus say? He addresses and he tells you how... To, how do you deal with a brother or sister who's, who's gone off the track? And he says this, If your brother, and ladies, if your brother and your sister, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Specifically, what did it not say to do? Write a letter. Or type an email. You see, in our church, we have this rule. Because we get lots of letters. Sometimes I'll get letters that are six, seven, eight pages of handwriting. No name on the envelope. You know what we do with those? 
once we open them and see what's going on, we, we put them in the trash. We say, if you don't sign your name to it, we're not going to read it. And we don't. The Bible is very clear. God is a relational God. He wants us to be relational. You rarely, just like Facebook posts, like you're rarely going to convince somebody of the error of their ways by, by sending them a letter bomb or an email bomb. And so the Lord says, no, that's not my way. I want you to go and go to the person because the whole reason of going to them is because you love them. The whole point of correction is because you love them, not because you think you're super spiritual, not because you think they're a dirty dog. No, you go because you love them and we're in the same family with the same Lord. And so he says, if if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell them uh, his fault between you and him alone. Now, that's a great truth, but I wish the Lord had said more. I I think, if you read the rest of the book, I think the the way we go is Philippians 2. We go in all humility, like Jesus. We don't account account equality with God something to be grasped, but we humble ourselves. Or we think about Ephesians, it says, be subject to one another. Place yourself under uh, other, other believers out of your reverence for Christ. And so we go... And we raise, we raise the issue with them. It's not a poke in the chest, but we want to say, hey, it'd be like this. I'll just say, Kevin, if I'm mad at you. Kevin, um, I first thing I want to tell you is I love you so much. And I've, I, I've been seeing some things, and I could be wrong, but I'm seeing some things that I think the Lord would have you pray over and attend to. There's some places, you know, there, this is hypothetical, but, but there is a, there's a where I think, I think, Brother, I actually think that you're, that you're in sin here. Again, I could be wrong. As one sinner to another, I want you to pray about it. And, of course, you're going to say, well, what is it? And then I muster up my love, my courage, not my fist, my love, and I speak to Kevin. And I, I'll, the spirit of it should be almost with tears in my eyes, right, because I love him. Much like with our children, we love them. And so I say, Kevin, this is what I'm seeing. And so I don't come across as an expert. I don't come across as somebody who I'm, I'm sinless and, you, and you're just the worst sinner in the world. It's humble. It, 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 um, in that is, is kind of the understanding that I don't see everything, you know. God sees everything. I don't. So this is my perception, and I throw it out there with, with really without apology. And then heaven respond to it, right? And so I bring that to him. I lay it bare and say, this is what I'm seeing. And so in love, uh, that is the first step of Matthew 18, God's way to deal with conflict. You go, just, just one of you, not by email, not by Facebook, not by a text, not by gossiping to your neighbor. The first thing when, when you're upset with somebody or you see them sinning, you actually go to them humbly and in the spirit of the Lord, face to face, and then you, you bring up whatever the issue is. Okay, and it says what? Uh, it says, if he listens to you, if he actually hears, and he says, kind of like I did with my friends, if he hears you and says, you know what, you're right, then hallelujah, the Lord has revealed this to him through you being faithful and you being um, caring and loving him more than you care about whether he's going to get mad at you. The Lord uses that to bring him back so he can have the blessing of the Lord. And so you've gained your brother back. Uh, but oftentimes, when somebody's in sin, they don't want to hear it, right? I know I don't. I don't hear it. And so the Lord has plan B, 
Like plan A is you go to them. What's plan B? Uh, so it says if he listens to you, if you go one-on-one, you've gained your brother. But if he doesn't listen, which is often the case, if he doesn't listen, um, what's the next step? How many? It's very specific. One or two, right? If he doesn't listen, take one or two. What we found in our church, I've done this and I've had people do it to me. They don't follow this at all. They send it. They send a nasty letter. They send an email. They gossip to other people. They tell the church first. And then maybe, maybe later they might come to you or they'll come with three people. Um, but that's not the pattern. The pattern is you go one-on-one, then you take one or two others. Uh, and it says, so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. See, that's because the Lord knows that, that we're sinners too. And so if I'm going to address a sin in you, then it'd be really good that I have a couple maybe even people who are not emotionally involved, who can actually say, this is what we're seeing too. Um, so, uh, let's go. So, you know, if you bring two or three witnesses and your brother or sister in sin listens, uh, that's great. Hallelujah, he's restored. But in verse 17 it says, but if the one who's in sin, if they refuse to listen, then you are to tell it to the church. You're to tell it to the church. If I were writing a book, I probably wouldn't have written that. But you know what? God knows more than I know. Like, it seems so mean, doesn't it? It seems so mean. It seems like humiliation. It seems like something you might see in, I mean, I'm not sure what what strands of Christianity would do this, where you bring the person forward and you kind of kind of like fillet them in front of the whole congregation. I've had Sunday when it says, tell uh, tell the sin to the church, that you're only to tell it to the leaders. That's not what the scripture says. That's not what it says. Says you tell it to the body. There's something very powerful about this this whole process of reconciliation, and where you're loving, loving, loving. They're not hearing. Could you imagine if you actually brought that person forward and they with? Could you imagine the impact on that? Could you imagine? Like, I mean, it's just I just pick one. I don't know y'all's stories. I don't know what anybody's doing. So, so don't take it that way. But let's say you have somebody who's having an affair, or let's say you have somebody. Uh, who's just being very disrespectful, right? And just over and over again, just got a biting tongue, whatever. And, and you, you walk through this process, but eventually you stand up before the church and say, brother, we love you. And, and because we love you, we love you enough to say, uh, word, bring words of healing and words of challenge. And could you imagine that person in this body standing there while you have tears in and he or she could sense how much you love them? Like that would be a game changer. An absolute game changer. A lot better than getting a letter, an email, or telling the church, right, gossiping around the church. Could you imagine if they saw you with your tears in your eyes? I think the Holy Spirit would use that to, to really break that person. And so he says, like, so you go one-on-one, you go uh, two or three on, uh, sorry, one or two others on, on one, and then it says, then you tell the church. And it says, if he refuses to listen even to the church, oh, this is where it gets tough, y'all. If the person then is like, no, I'm not going to listen to you, then what, is, what does Jesus say? This sounds really unchristlike, but I'm going to prove to you it's not. What, what's, the, what's the last step of correction? You treat him as a what? Tax collector or a sinner. In other words, you treat him as if they're not a believer. 
So this morning I was reviewing that, and I was like, whoa, Lord, that's, uh, that's pretty tough. But then I was, the Lord led me to another scripture that helped explain that. So can you turn to 1 Corinthians 5? Uh, if anybody's got a page number, shout it out. We all have different Bibles, so it probably won't be that helpful. But 1 Corinthians 5, 5. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 5, 4 and 5. So Paul here is talking about immorality in the church. I mean, that's a common thing where people sin, they, you know, sexual immorality. It's something that can absolutely sever someone's relationship with Jesus. It can destroy families. I mean, I'm, I'm a witness, y'all, growing up to that. I'm a witness to that. It destroys people. And so he's saying in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 4 and 5, he says, When you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present... The Lord's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And with the power of the Lord Jesus, uh, this man who's in sin and, and, and basically refuses to repent and refuses to listen to the, the kind, loving uh, correction that's been given. He says, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. He's saying, if they refuse to listen... Like, we're going to do whatever possible to save this person and their relationship with Jesus. It's much like, where's the train track? Oh, it's right there. If you saw somebody in the train track and a train's coming, what would you do to get them off the track? Jesus is saying it's that level of importance. And he says, at that point, because they refuse to listen, he goes, what you're to do is treat them as a non-believer. Treat them as a tax collector or a sinner. Put them out of the body. And that sounds so incredibly what? Mean. It sounds so incredibly unloving. But what I would tell you is, Jesus is the one who defines what love is. Jesus defines what love is. Jesus is smarter than we are. My, his ways are higher than our ways. And what he's saying is, because I love this person, sometimes in the most extreme, and these are really extreme circumstances, you actually have to put them out of the church. Right? And, there, and there's a lot of steps you've got to do <laughs> Before that, but if it but if it comes, put them out of the church. It's not like you sit there and snarl at them. No, your heart's broken. You should be filled with tears for that that brother or sister. And once you do that, what what does it say in uh, in First Corinthians five five? It says, "You deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh." Comma. Here comes the gospel. Here comes the gospel. Here comes the good news. This is why Jesus tells us to do it. Once you hand the man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. What does the Lord say that uh, he wants to happen, he hopes will happen, uh, he intends to happen? Look at it, the last, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 5b. What does it say? Deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. There's nothing greater than keeping our relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what? We, we, we all sin. The Bible says, like sheep, we all go astray. Every one of us, each to our own way. Like, I'm a professional sinner. I have people in the church who are like, you know, want to kind of poke me in the chest and tell me something I'm doing wrong. I'm like, I could tell you ten more things. Right? But, but what the Lord's giving us here is a pattern of how to love people and not be nice to people. How do you love somebody who's gone off track? You go to them one-on-one, humbly, not with arrogance. You go one-on-one, and you, you say, this is what I see. Because you could be wrong, right? We can be wrong. 
And you go there, and you might go there, and they'll, they'll say, well, yeah, but this is what you're not understanding. And then you might leave there, and, and then, then peace, the bond of peace is established. But if they really are in sin and they refuse to hear it, then you take how many? One or two others. And then at that point, if they're still digging their heels and it's like, I'm just going to do what I want to do and heck with the church, heck with God, heck with his word, then you, then you tell the church. And, uh, and you hand them over to Satan. You hand them over for a time knowing that there's going to be a crushing on that man or woman and that the Holy Spirit has not left them. The Holy Spirit is still at work. And then the Holy Spirit is going to do the work that, that we were unable to do. That on the day of the Lord, His Spirit may be saved. So you, you guys all get it, don't you? You get the principle? What's the problem? What's the problem? And this is the end of the sermon, in case you're telling Lord, I don't like conflict. Right? I just want you guys to, to hug me. Let's just everybody have a group hug. Want to love each other. But you know what? That's not loving. It's not loving. It's not loving. No names. I'll tell you a really weird story. We had a guy in our church. He was an extreme narcissist. He did. He, he, was, a, he was a control freak. He was mean. He could use honey or a stick, but he always wanted to get his way. It came to our attention that he locked his wife in the basement for 48 hours. Like a dog. Big man all-powerful, locked his wife in a basement like a dog, 48 hours. Do you know why he let her out? They had to go to the Christian Medical and Dental Society dinner. He had to have his trophy wife on his arm. Brothers and sisters, there are things that go on in the body of Christ that destroy Christ's body, his life. And there is a time not to be nice, but to be loving. And so the great news is this is early in the And what I want to say is, don't be like Church of the Holy Spirit. Learn this lesson before you're at year 30. Walk in love as Christ loved you, but part of walking in love is doing the hard work of, of reconciliation and loving your brother and sister enough to risk not being nice, but to do the actual things Jesus taught us. And the beautiful thing is that you actually will start to see uh, many people come back to the Lord. You'll see people forsake their ways. And I'm telling you, you want a healthy body? That's the way to do it. I recently had a case, and guess what? I had, I had sinned. I had, I had blown my temper a couple times. You're a pastor. You're a bishop. Yeah, we have tempers too. And uh, I heard a lady in my church, but I, I actually didn't know it. And for over a year, she just nursed that hurt because she, she didn't want to hurt my feelings, and I'm a bishop and whatever. So she just had it. But you, you know what happens when you have that hurt and you carry it? You form bitterness. And then it kind of colors your glass. way you look at that person changes. And so there's no doubt, like, I was the bigger sinner in the crowd. I, I was the one who kind of sinned and started it. And as we met the other day, we met the other day, and tears in all our eyes, I said, you know, I admitted fully, man, I, I sinned, I did this. But I said, I so wished that you had come to me a year ago because it would have saved you tremendous pain. And it also would have helped me see my sin more clearly 
so I could stop it. So, friends, I, what I want to tell you is, you want to walk, you want to be Advent people, you want to be people who are watching and waiting. This thing right here is one of the most practical ways, because there's conflict everywhere. I promise you, you're going to laugh next this week, and in the next month, you just keep your eyes open, and tell me or tell Kevin, tell us like what kind of conflict you're dealing with. I promise it's here. We're in a broken world, and Jesus tells us how to deal with it so that the shalom of God can be in the body of Christ. That's what Jesus said. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.